Welcome to episode 141 of Redboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbeal, and today my special guest is none other than Justin from Trip Note Pros. Me and Justin go over three races from this past Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Those races being 10, 11, and 14. And some angles that we talk about are how important horses do off of layoffs and also, when there's two horses with the same exact type of buyers, make sure you take the one with the better price. This is Redboard Rewind. It's the same old story in this cycle. We go back and forth. We go back and forth. Ain't good for me. Why we do this for? We go back and forth. Won't do this no And now I'd like to welcome in my special guest for this week's Redboard Rewind. It is Justin Christensen of Trip Note Pros. Glad to have him back on the show. Justin, how are you tonight? Spencer, glad to be back, man. Thanks for having me on again. Well, listen, uh, saving my bacon, as they say, I was I was trying to f- figure out who I could get on. You messaged me before the weekend even started, and I, I, I remembered it. I was like, all right, let me message him back. And then it was just you and me playing phone tag for the considerable amount of hours but uh glad to have you on how has trip note pros been i know you guys are doing a ton of stuff over there on the website but what have they got you mostly doing over there other than the wonderful stuff we're going to talk about on this Gulfstream park card yeah it's great i mean uh i'm i'm chipping in uh where i can as the as the spring turns into summer i'll be taking on more of a load uh with saratoga coming on board um we have some cool stuff going on in addition to going to sananita.com slash tripnotepros and opting in for free trip notes uh, at, at uh, well, it started April 1st uh, through, I think, May 13th or even even uh, longer. You can get free trip notes emailed to your uh, inbox every racing day at Santa Anita. Uh, also, we're excited about uh, being on front and center on TVG. We have a quick link on there. Uh, homepage uh, that'll take you to a free race uh, every day, and um, we'll also we're also having uh, giving away free trip notes at Keeneland. Uh, go to the Keeneland website and uh, you'll see it. Opt in, you'll get emailed right to your inbox uh, for uh, for the, for the entire Keeneland meet. Uh, so, and and also uh, in addition to that, we're we're going to be on. We're going to be featuring. Uh, well, Scott Hazelton and Gabby Gaudet are going to be uh, featuring uh, one race every day on the Keeneland live show. So go to sananita.com, go to keeneland.com, get your free trip notes and TVG for a free highlighted race every day. I, I love the highlighted race idea. And, and this, so for a lot of people who you know maybe don't do trip notes, not, I, I am one of them in a way that I, I pick the races I want to do the trip notes for. I think that the highlighted race and kind of how Timeform did like the race of the day where you can get use their stuff as well is so key because that allows the handicapper to, okay, here's the race that they have. Before I look at their notes, let me take trip notes. And then if all of a sudden your trip notes says, you know, bad start, et cetera, and then your note starts to look like Benny's or yourself, that person can kind of say, like, okay, maybe I'm starting to get the track of this trip note 
thing because with you guys doing so many races, I mean, if someone's note oddly looks, and I was, I know it's supposed to be, you know, completely different sometimes between the person, but like when you can kind of get a solid note and then it matches the person who, you know, does it for a living for, I just think that that's so key with using just one race instead of, you know, sometimes when people get nine races, it is a lot to go through, especially like I've seen, listen, Benny puts the time in. Those notes are extensive. They are not the comment line in the DRF. Yeah, they take a long time to do. And uh, it's it's about watching a, a single horse's replay multiple multiple times from the pan shot, from the head on. Some of these tracks aren't aren't the best with their camera angles, mm-hmm. Gulfstream being one of them. Uh, so you really have to you really have to watch closely. Um, but I think what you re- are referring to is is a great way to learn about how to watch races and then how to take trip notes um watching the race yourself and then comparing it with someone who's been doing it a long time has watched thousands and thousands of races and that's one of the best ways to learn and then of course if you don't have the time um you know sometimes i will just check out benny's notes if i'm handicapping a card if i don't have time i have two kids so and and they're young so if I, i don't have time to watch all the replays um, I, I trust, uh, Benny's eye, um, undoubtedly. And so I'll, I'll just skim through the, his notes of each horse in each race. And, and, um, that, that shortens the handicapping process for me. And I think that's the big key is just shortening down the handicapping process, not to where you're maybe not fully happy with how you've done the, you know, the homework, but to where you think, okay, you know, I've saved for the test. I have my little cheat sheet here with, you know, trip note pros. Now let me, you know, see what else I can figure out in the card. Maybe I may improve a horse from a C to a B. That helps me hit the pick five. Maybe I have a, a horse that I, I'm trying to, you know, maybe beat. And then the trip note just says this horse had such a brutal beat that I now, you know, maybe pass that race. And that kind of saves my bankroll for the day as well. Agree. And also uh, um, a pretty cool feature, I think, of the notes is that you get the race summary. So it gives you the, mm-hmm. the pace dynamics of the race. And then it also gives you uh, any bias information that was detected on that day. And, and that's a huge thing because bi- you know tracking biases is very time consuming and it calls for you to track horses you know, the next time they run, two times uh, after they ran on a biased racetrack. And so that's a that's a subtle piece of information that's really important too. That's not readily available, um, you know, that you re- readily available on the internet. Uh, I think for me, one of the worst things that you can teach somebody when you're first starting to, you know, be a handicapper is to read the program from top to bottom, because especially as a racing, as as a race watcher, if you see like maybe reading it from bottom to top, oh, the first two maiden races, this one you know, went gung-ho on the lead. And then that third trip where everyone made the horse even money, he didn't get the lead. And now this time should be, you know, lone speed in a race where there's a lot of weaker horses. Maybe the horse is only going to be six to five, but in that type of way, I feel like, okay, this horse's two best races have been on the lead. He had a terrible trip last time. Didn't even, he was three lengths off. Now he gets the lead in a weaker field off the class drop. And this horse is going to be, you know, a chalky, as a chalky price, but still, it's the confidence level there knowing like, okay, right running style, weaker field should run right. 
I think to get a, a, a true picture of a horse, it, you know, it's, for me, it's not uncommon to watch his last three races mm -hmm. and what you described starting from the, starting from his, his, uh, maiden breaker and then working your way up to his most recent race trying to get the whole picture and then watching you know the last two or three or the last two and then one of his other relevant replays gives you a really great uh, picture of who the horse is and then you compare that against the pace scenario and the class that he's going to face today and um, you know of course then then the bottom line is price and the price is the deciding factor. Um, so I think that's a, a great way for people that are just learning how to read the form or just learning, just dipping their toes into the handicapping pool. I think um, getting a picture of a horse starting from the bottom up uh, and going that route is, is, a, is a great way to understand what the horse is capable of and how they may run against today's competition. And I think too, as well, you talked about like the maiden breaker first, then the next relevant, whether it's, you know, a close, you know, I would say a close race within a length and a half, two lengths, and then maybe that their last few wins, if they have wins and they're not just going on the N1X allowance type level. I think that seeing, you know, like, okay, now what, you know, if I look at the three wins overall, were they all route distances, sprint distances, can they run on the lead, off the lead, closing, and I think a lot of times people see a horse and they see like, oh, one on the lead, off the lead, and could win, you know, from five or six back. And they're like, oh, this horse doesn't really have a running style. And I think those are the type of races that you really have to dig down and rewatch a bunch to be like, well, he closed, but the pace was, you know, 21 flat and it was going, you know, seven furlongs. Obviously, the horses are going to back up into it. And that horse may just not be fast enough to go 21 flat. I think finding, especially being a race watcher, the first fraction and the second fraction for me are very, very key when I'm looking at certain class levels or just how, like, there's certain horses. They're, if they run 22, they just gas out. They can't they can't bring anything back. But if they go 23 and 2, that's, like, the sweet spot for that horse. Yeah, second, um, the second fraction is, I think, the most important, especially in in sprint races um, and the difference between the first and second fraction, you know, how, how, how fast did they, uh, did they go on, on the turn? And I think that's really important. And then the other important note that the other important distinction is that, you know, if a horse goes 22 and is doing it by himself, um, that may be an easier scenario for that horse than if he's going 22 and 423 and he's battling head and head or mm -hmm. he's battling in between horses. Uh, and so, you know, how they go fast is probably more important than how fast they go. And that's when watching races, looking at charts is really important because, you know, that horse can battle another speed horse or two others, put them away and get run down you know, late and um, all of a sudden that horse's uh, race looks way better than it did in the running line. And so, you know, how they do it is really important. Let's try and get these uh, listeners some ideas for the three races we picked out from this past Saturday at Gulfstream Park. The first race we're going to go over is race number 10 from Gulfstream Park. It is the Sir Shackleton Stake 100,000 listed stake, seven furlongs on the dirt. 
for me, I just thought when you look overall through the race, a horse like Fortin Hill, always low odds, it seems. And the one really bad race in the car was in the slop in the forego. You can pretty much just toss that race right out. Is this horse going to get back to that optional 62 where he ran 101? Maybe, but that race to me seems to be a big outlier. And this horse took a ton of money. And I think kind of overall when I'm trying to figure out at the 7 furlong distance, who do I want? Give me a horse that runs well at it. Horse like Weyburn at 10 to 1. Two for two in the exacto with a win. I think this horse was by far overly, not overly priced, but 10 to 1. You just knew that was going to kind of come down. Ends up going off more at 4 to 1. So it's kind of always nice to see a horse take money that you also like, even though it kind of kills your price. I thought Collaborate was the better of the two favorites. Just a couple solid wins, six and a half, and also at a mile, kind of to split the difference there. I, I know Junior and Safi have done okay so far. 36 starts, 28 win percentage, $3 ROI. And I thought a horse like Rough Entry could be a good B. Five for 12, seems to be a horse for course. Had a, had, had a win at seven furlongs as well. Yeah, I saw it similarly. I thought only three horses could win. Uh, had it down to Fortin Hill, Weyburn, and Collaborate. You know, F- Fortin Hill for me had conflicting information because that first race off of the long layoff mm-hmm. uh, was a was a, a your quintessential Bill Mott prep. Um, he was against the flow in that race. He didn't have the best trip. Quick tempo went wire to wire. It seemed like it was going to set him up great for today. And then I saw the morning line at five to two and I was not enthused at all. And, and he, and he, he turned out, turned out that he went off lower than five to two. I think he went off at dollar 80 maybe or yeah. something, mm-hmm. which was absolutely insane. That price. Um, and like you mentioned Weyburn, there's no way you were going to get 10 to one on Weyburn. You know, the things that attracted me to him aside from what you mentioned was that, you know, he's, he's run, super at one turn. Um, I watched both of his works, the one on the March 11th and the one on March 25th. And, you know, he, it doesn't look like he's going 47 and three, 46 and four. He does it so easily. And he's this big strapping horse and, um, you know, looks like he might run two turns, but I think one turn is his, is his best distance. He's run great off the layoff twice. And so there were a lot of things to like about him. He was drawn outside of quick tempo. Um, and it turns out, you know, we'll get to the, to, to the race, but he showed a, another dimension and then collaborate was the other one for me, but he's such an enigma. You know, he runs in and out races. Mm-hmm. It put the blinkers on, um, you know, the last race was against much stiffer competition than those horses, speakers, corner, fearless endorsed. They're, they're in another league. Um, the cutback to seven, I think was, was good. Um, the thing that really concerned me about him was that he'd never run well without Lasix. You know, the whole Lasix thing is really hard to figure out. And I try not to put too much stock into it, but you do have to look at it because, you know, horses are affected by it. And so looking at him, he has, he's never run well off of Lasix. And so that gave me a little pause uh, on him. Um, but so I ended up, uh, with Horton Hill as my top pick um, before before the odds came up, and then I I shifted away from him. Weyburn, no doubt, was the bet at four to one out of the three that I narrowed it down to. 
for me and for Justin is Weber, and let's see if he gets it done heading into the Sir Shackleton right now. And as Sir Shackleton stakes. Good start for rough entry from the outside draw, speeding through at the rail, Fortin Hills on the go. Now Quick Tempo is on the go as well, and it will be Quick Tempo to stick a neck in front. Fortin Hills down at the inside and races from second. Up to third goes Girolamo's attack, splitting horses and where Paradise Lake collaborates on the far outside. Weyburn is traveling well at this stage. He's behind the speed in hand, about four lengths off the pace setter. Chivalry is at the back as they go to the half-mile point. Up front, quick tempo where he wants to be, front and center, and a length and a half in front. Girolamo's attack is together with Fortin Hill. Their second and third collaborate gets started on the outside. Weyburn is next. He's still traveling well. Two and a half back to where Paradise lay, dropping back his rough entry. Chivalry has been last throughout as they round the far turn. Up front, quick tempo leads with collaborate on to challenge. Weyburn given the green light to launch the bid. He's now four wide and in the clear. Fortin Hill needs some place to go. That's all for Girolamo's attack with a quarter of a mile left to go. They haven't reached quick tempo yet. He turns for home on top by two. Collaborate, Weyburn, and Fortin Hill all nipping at his heels. Fortin Hill's got no place to go. Weyburn's got the momentum out in the center. There's an eighth of a mile to go. Weyburn striding forward to take the lead from Collaborate in second. Quick tempo is backpedaled at the rail. Fortin Hill, but nobody beats Weyburn from here. It's Weyburn under jockey Tyler Gaffleone to win the Sir Shackleton by two and a half lengths. Second, Collaborate. Third, Fortin Hill. And fourth was quick tempo. Girolamo's attack for the high five. And Weyburn does get it done. 1060 the winning mutual. Nice 102 winning buyer. Brand new buyer top for this one. I think overall, when you look at this race, I think you see two chalky favorites. Fortin Hill, like we had said, always seems to be low odds. Does, you know, he's three for six, does like to win, but just not one I want to take at that price. Collaborate runs second. Fortin Hill runs third. We kind of had it down. You you at least had it down to the top three. My other horse rough entry at 26 to 1. Listen, sometimes they take a firearm and they don't run that well. But Weyburn and Collaborate kind of ran exactly how we thought. And when you look at those top three prices, for me, Fortin Hill's got to come up a little bit more. And I think Weyburn's got to come down. I think all these horses could be around 3 to 1. And I thought you got good, good value on Weyburn. Yeah, that was a nice race. I mean, he was seventh at the first call fifth at the second call he was down inside uh he showed a, a dimension that he hadn't shown in his two-year-old and three-year-old season this was a great comeback race for him he's he's a talent and he's gonna want some win some more um big races i think uh this year he's he's definitely one to uh to follow and I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll try him two turns again, and maybe he can go two turns as a mature, a more mature horse. It'd be interesting to see what where they go with him next. I think you just you kind of nailed the uh, the idea for this race right on its head. Just the the fact for Wayburn is when he comes back, if it's two turns, you have to take a price more of like what the morning line was six, seven, eight, ten to one. If he's going back to one turn. You can play him in that four to one to five to two range where that kind of value is. If this horse ends up going off favored, I mean, if you just look overall at the stats, the horses run terrific twice off the layoff. Those are where the top two buyers came before this race. So now the top three buyers are all first off the off the layoff. I'd be a little bit nervous to take him second out. A horses off wins always get crushed in the window. And I think that he'll end up facing something a little bit tougher. I hope he does end up staying in the listed stakes field because I think for right now, 
we saw how much he got killed confidence-wise running in the PA Derby, the Jim Dandy. I think he needs the Pegasus and the Sir Shackleton-type races to just, you know, some, everyone wants every horse to be a great one winner. Sometimes they're just listed stake winners, and that's the way it is. Yeah, that 102 buyer, uh, first-time four-year-old, though, that – that um that hits that hits hard in a lot of these races, and and uh, you know he can probably improve off of that if if uh, you know he's in great hands with Brendan Walsh, and and so um, I, I I trust that he's going to be managed properly, and I think he's in for a big year. I, I will say, you know, despite Fortin Hill being a six year old, which was another negative, you know, an ouchy horse coming back off of a a long layoff. And, uh, you know, be, being six years old, I think that and, and, you know, we'll have to see how this plays out going forward. Um, I, I, don't, I think he ran on the slower part of the track. I, I'm not sure that the inside was very good on on Saturday, Florida Derby Day. But we'll have to watch how the horses run out of that race and, uh, you know, chart that going forward. Let's move on to the next race. Race number 11 from Gulfstream Park is the Sanibel Island Stake. One on one six miles on the turf course, another 100K listed stake. What did you like in this one, Justin? I love Beach Nut Trophy. He had a bad trip uh, in his uh, non-winners of one, and he overcame it. He shuffled. He steadied and shuffled a few jumps out of the gate. Um he had to wait on the far turn for a horse to clear outside of him. Then he moved laterally and lost some momentum there and still came running uh, to win. And I, I loved him here. Um, and so he was a, a stone cold single for me. Um, Mischievous Kiss got absolutely crushed. Uh, I think he, he went off maybe at, what did he get, go off, like four to five or something like that, um, which was an insane price. I mean, two to one was insane. Four to five was ludicrous. Um, I, you know, I thought he could win off that trip. He chased Spinderella, the grand motion horse that came out of uh, the maiden win to, to crush that, that uh, stakes field. And he was chasing her on a pretty fast pace. So I, I thought, um, I thought sh- she... Uh, mischievous kiss had a had a chance but but at the price no thanks uh and then the other horse that i liked was shed nation from uh clement that first that first race um the thing that caught my eye you know talking about internal fractions that horse's final final fraction uh in in her maiden win was uh she closed in 28 and 3 against gunboat and spicer spicer is a, a really good uh three-year-old for uh chad brown and so you know in the chelsea flower bowl she got a really tough trip she was uncomfortable for a lot of that race so clement bring her back in this stake i thought showed a lot of confidence and uh she was the other one i wanted so uh for me it was Mostly all in on Beach Nut Trophy with a little bit of Shed Nation. And then uh, as a saver, and I hated the price, it was Mischievous Kiss. I think in this race, too, when you look over at overall and you see just Mischievous Kiss already at four to five. And you and me both know just being longer time horse players, maybe the beginners don't realize how many four to five shots you have to hit to even be profitable. And that's like 
Hopefully they don't get lost and stuck in the gate. Hopefully this and that doesn't happen. This one for me seems so in and out. 67, 71, 80 to a 71 to an 83. And had that nice little improvement first time three-year-old. And I just wondered if maybe this one was... Everyone seems to like the horse that takes a step forward first time as a three-year-old. They think they're going to take another one. I've tend to think opposite and try to be that contrarian person. I thought Beach Nut Trophy just, if Mischievous Kiss is going to get over and come back to earth, this one with a 76, with Safi, with Jose, and listen, uh, Jose Ortiz and Safi do not do well together. 9%, 59% ROI is not good, but winning last start, 22%, two for two at Gulfstream. I thought they just knew exactly what they wanted to do with this one. The other one that I left out, and I think is I shouldn't. I should just play both of them. I do this so often with Dutching horses because they pretty much had the same exact buyers. Was my Philly Twirl, Brendan Walsh, 62-77-75. Julian Leperuan both times comes back here, twenty nine percent positive ROI. Jockey trainer stats. I think that if I'm so against the four to five, using a second horse here and one also that went up in price. I think for how much we we, we knew Waverne was going down, the fact that my Philly Toro was double digits was just an absolute mistake on my part to not put money on this horse. Yeah, in hindsight, that was a great price on my Philly Toro. I didn't include her um, because I thought she had a really soft trip versus a small field in that last race. And more times than not, if you play against those horses that are you know a little dressed up and and win off the soft trips, you're going to be okay. And this, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I threw her out because of, uh, because of those things that I just stated, but, you know, I mean, Brendan Walsh again, um, there wasn't that much pace in this race. And so the pace situation was a little bit murky, um, you know, and, and, and I think the horse outside of her scratching, um, just gave her that open air outside box uh, for for Julian Le Peru to make uh, make a little bit of an easier decision. It's another consensus pick here on Redboard Rewind. Me and Justin on Beach Nut Trophy. Let's see if we can make it two for two right now. And they're off in the Sanibel Island Stakes. Level beginning. Soon after the start, Sensitivity went looking for the early advantage. Up on the outside, My Philly Twirl has speed. Down at the rail, Mischievous Kiss won't be far away. And Big Temptations gets away in fourth. Followed fifth by Beach Nut Trophy, racing together with Ombezus. Hail 2 is second last in the early trailer, Shad Nation. In the run to the first turn, Sensitivity has inside position and the lead over My Philly Twirl, who races from second. Race choice, Mischievous Kiss, third in the red. She's at the inside, two off the pace center, followed by long shot, Big Temptations. Then Ambesus racing outside of Beach Nut Trophy. They're about five lengths behind. Two better than Hale, two, and the trailer is Shad Nation. Quarter time quite reasonable as they have five furlongs remaining here. Sensitivity has the lead three parts of length. My Philly twirl second at the rail third. That's the favorite mischievous kiss. Big Temptations continues in contention while racing in fourth. Ambesus is in the blue colors on the outside. Beach Nut Trophy following the move of mischievous kiss while four lengths behind. Then Hail 2 and Shad Nation. 
That's the eight of them as they make their way to the far turn. Up front, sensitivity. Tackled now by my Philly Twirl. They begin to sprint. Big Temptations is now third. Mischievous Kiss is going to have to do better than that. She's fourth at the inside. Losing ground to the leaders. Angling for racing room is Ambe Seuss. And they're at the top of the stretch. On the outside, my Philly Twirl. Sticks a neck in front. Battling back is sensitivity. Down the center in a late run from Beach Nut Trophy who gets loose late. Final eighth of a mile. Here comes Beach Nut Trophy. Big Temptations is 99 to 1, and she's gaining ground. My Philly Twirl tries to hold him off and does. And it is my Philly Twirl getting it done. 80, the winning buyer. The winning mutual of 22.80. This one kind of stung for me because, A, we were right about a terrible favorite that the public just loved to hammer down. Beachnut Trophy, I thought, ran absolutely fine to go up to an 80. But... I mean, like I said, 71, 76, there's a horse that ran 77, 75, and I have this horse nowhere on a ticket. Yeah, and it turns out, Spencer, uh, she got almost the exact same trip that she did in her last race. Mm -hmm. She got another soft trip, uh, stalking sensitivity. Um, they went 24 and 3, 49 and 3. They almost went 114 to the three quarters, and uh, she sat right off of that uh, slow pace, and um, they couldn't run her down. Now, Beachnut Trophy uh, had a bunch of trouble. And, you know, I don't th – this – I think she she ran the best race, Beachnut Trophy. Um, it's easy to say that, you know, because I, I picked her and I watched the entire race two or three times. I was yelling for Jose to follow uh, Mischievous Kiss through the turn. Uh, it turned out that that wasn't the right move because uh, she was kind of stalling. But Beachnut Trophy was pretty much um, in between horses and um, had nowhere to go for the entire far turn. And then a little bit also at, at the head of the stretch. And then Jose really didn't get to riding her until um, a little bit after that. Uh, and, and, and once, once he did and swung her out into the clear, she, she really charged home, but you know, um, my Philly twirl was, was on that soft pace and, and there was going to be no running her down. Um, I think the horse that you want out of this race is Shad Nation. She had trouble at the beginning. Um, she got caught up behind horses, got bumped a little bit, was relegated to last, um, had no chance from where she was closing into this slow pace. Um, and you know, she did come running and galloped out basically past everybody. And so, you know, look for her next time out because I think she has more speed than she showed. And I also think that she ran better than the running line is, is going to look and you know, second time, three-year-old, uh, a, a horse that has a lot of promise. I, I think she's one to really pay attention to wherever she shows up next. I'll give another horse uh, you liking Shad Nation coming back. What about Big Tenations? Listen, Rafael Romero, don't know much about the trainer, but now three for three in the money with a win, a second, and a third. They won last time out at 15-1. to one. This is the horse people just seem to forget about. Obviously, now the big jump up in buyer, this was probably the time where, you know, you want to go to the wedding and not go to the funeral next time out. But maybe not with Big Tenations, but watch Rafael Romero's horses coming out. Three for three. And a lot of times when these trainers just – they kind of get sneaky. Like the buyers don't look like they stack up. This one went off at 118 to one. You've got a huge overlay in the exacta for a dollar paid six, $700. Uh, 
you know, that's a signer back in the, like three or four years ago without the new IRS rules. It's just this type of horse I think is one that maybe you don't bet next time out, but now you watch the barn because now to me, this is a barn that I instantly circle now. Cause it seems like he knows how to get horses at double digit prices onto the board. And, and another Gulfstream park special, like, you know, another trainer that, uh, seems like has some horses that, uh, go under the radar and a, a trainer gets hot down there and, and, uh, you know, you can, you can get some big prices on, on their horses until everybody catches up. But it seems like there are a couple of trainers down there that are, that are, uh, a little bit under the radar that you can, you can pay attention to and, and make some money on. With one of the last race, the race everyone was talking about that day, race number 14 from Gulfstream Park. It was the grade one curl in Florida Derby, one on one of these miles on the dirt. Got a horse like Simplification, Classic Causeway, Papa Cap. These are all these different horses. What did you like in this one, Justin? All right. So, my general plan in this race was to play against um, the three favorites because. Uh, not including Charge It, because I had question marks about all of them. Classic Causeway was rerouted, uh, coming off of a, a, you know, the race at, at in the Tampa Bay Derby. He was coming back in 21 days. Um, simplification. I, I read a bunch about how Antonio Sano was saying that this is not the the ultimate goal. Um, we would like to see our horse run well, but you know, the ultimate goal is the Kentucky Derby and. We're not going to let Classic Causeway have an easy lead. We're going to be attached to him. Jose is going to pay attention to where Classic Causeway is. And then White Abario, who uh, after the Holy Bull, I, I got a nice future price on. He had a fever the, you know, the, the Tuesday, um, you know, week and a half before the race. And, and he missed his work that Sunday. And they had to blow out on Tuesday. You know, and when horses spike fever, sometimes that can – take the starch out of them, even, you know, even, even after they recover and, and work. And so I had question marks on all three of those horses and then charge it. Um, I, I didn't think he was seasoned enough to win the Florida Derby. So I ended up on a wild horse. I ended up on strike hard. I thought there were some things to like, I thought his trip in the Sam F Davis was, was not ideal. Uh, I thought he could show more speed than, than he did. I thought the pace might heat up, um, approaching the far turn. And so he was my, my sort of wild, wild shot because I, I had knocks on, on classic causeway simplification and, uh, white a barrier in this spot. I love it. We completely disagree in this spot. I was more of a chalk eating weasel than anyone else in this race. I like simplification on top. I just thought the fountain of youth race after the Holy bull. I just thought this one sense coming to Gulfstream or just coming out of the November race into January, brand new year, Mucho Macho Man, just a different horse. Even though they had the maiden special weight win that was on a slow pace, I thought a horse like Classic Causeway, and now you telling me that, that made me, you know, I hadn't heard that. So the same F. Davis, Tampa Bay, listen, they got to come out of those two races and try to run somewhere else. I think that just seeing those other two races, Irad, Brian Lynch, I thought, you know, this seemed like a good, a good enough spot as any. And what a burial for me, I thought the Holy Bull race off the layoff just kind of showed a new, not a new dimension, because obviously this one wants to go to the lead, but I just thought that one was 6-1 to one that day, 1-4, beat simplification. 
I thought today was the simplification kind of turns the door over on this one, but I, for me, I think when I look back at it, I probably should have put Classic Causeway third on my picks and put and moved White Barrio up to second. Yeah, and I think um, you know if it turns out that the rail was not the place to be on Florida Derby Day or the inside was not the place to be, then White Barrio. Uh, Got a pretty nice trip, mm-hmm. you know. He was he was in a pretty good spot the whole time. Class of, uh, simplification probably will be taken off the pace um, a little more in in uh, in the Kentucky Derby. Um, the, the positive from simplification coming out of the Florida Derby is that he did switch leads again. He was down on the inside late too, and so maybe you can take something away from that. And then you know, classic Causeway. I'd like to see him cut back like um you know maybe the pat day mile uh or or something like the alan jerkins this summer you know one of these horses that's on the derby trail but but ultimately might be better one turn or uh one turn mile or or sprinting at six or seven furlongs and so um you know i'm 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 happy that white apario won because you know i'll probably get better value on on my future Uh, i don't know what price he's going to be in the derby but um, and then I guess we have to mention charge it because he got a lot of seasoning. He got a lot out of this, this Florida Derby, you know, he, he, he broke in a little bit of a cluster and then he got down inside and he was taking dirt for the first time. And, uh, you know, it was his first time going two turns. So I think he will move forward from that race. Do I like him in the Kentucky Derby? No, I think it's, Situ- situation where it's right horse wrong race um you know a, a race like the belmont like I, I i hope that he runs in the kentucky derby um well he's gonna run in the T- kentucky derby i hope that he, he he just runs okay in the kentucky derby and then they they skip the preakness and and come back with him in the belmont because i think he is tailor-made for the belmont um you know, and and so a horse with only three races, he's he's not justify, and and I he won't have any of my money in the Kentucky Derby, but this race um, will move him forward, and and I think he will be a he, he's, he is a really talented horse. So overall, I knowing it didn't like the favorites, it was a strike hard was your topic. Yeah, strike hard for Justin. Simplification for me being the chalky and weasel. Let's see who gets it done in this year's Florida Derby right now. Excellent beginning for Classic Causeway from down toward the inside. Simplification was way away in good shape today, and he's up to challenge from second. Papa Cap gets away in third. Wide around the first turn is White Abario. The race favorite charge it drops in mid-flight. He's about four lengths behind. Then it's O Captain racing ahead of Clapton and King of Truth. Cajun's Magic is third last. Steel Sunshine is second last. And 11th and last is Strike Hard as they chase the Tampa Bay Derby winner Classic Causeway to the backstretch run. Classic Causeway relaxed up front. He leads a half a length. Simplification will not let him get far. Second, three wide Papa Cap third. Luis Ayas has charge it fourth at the rail. He's racing together with the gray white Abario. A gap of another two to Clapton, who's outside of O Captain. Then it's a length and a half to Cajun's Magic. King of Truth and Steel Sunshine race together about ten lengths off the pace. And still at the back is Strike Hard. The opening quarter was 23 and three. The half mile was 47 and one. Half a mile to go in the 2022 Curlin Florida Derby. We have a new 
new leader. Simplification has powered past Classic Causeway, who backpedals. Papa Cap looms a threat on the outside. White Barrio takes third. Up to fourth is Charge It. Dropping back is Classic Causeway, then Clapton and O-Captain as they run to the top of the stretch. Up front, Papa Cap doing battle with Simplification. Three wide, White Barrio. Charge It getting ready to launch his bid. He's three lengths off the lead, but gaining ground with a quarter of a mile left to go. Now at the top of the stretch, Simplification bracing for an oncoming White Barrio. Papa Cap is very game between horses, and Charge It swings into action on the far outside. There's an eighth of a mile to go. White Barrio takes over from Simplification. Charge It with a late say down the center. 16th to run. White Barrio almost home. Charge It shifts ground. White Barrio still there, and White Barrio wins the Florida Derby for Safi Joseph Jr. And White Barrio gets it done. 96, the winning buyer. 780, the winning mutual. I, th I think overall, when you look at this race, I know you didn't like any of the chalks. Three of the top, three of the top of the four finished in the trifecta. Giants Causeway, I guess, with that rerouting. And listen, I think everyone needs to know this just coming out being a beginning handicapper. If you're, this is your first year on the Derby Trail, when horses get injured or rerouted on the Derby Trail, it's pretty much just an absolute just sentence of this horse is not going to run well next race, or they're going to be very lucky to make the gate. Now, obviously, Classic Causeway has enough points already, but I, I think overall for me, I think Simplification ran just fine. Charge it for me. I, these three horses being so close in odds, I mean, overall when you're trying to bet a race like this, I think it's just a pass race, and you kind of just need to like take your notes out of here and hope that one horse either takes too much money next time or, you know, Simplification might go up and, you know, maybe be four or five to one coming out of this race. Yeah. My gut feeling is that we won't, the Kentucky Derby winner didn't run in this race. Um, I don't know. After the race, I, I, that's, that's what, that's the feeling I got. I, I think it might've been a little bit of a stagger fest coming home. Uh, 96 buyer for White Barrio. Eh. I mean, I think he got probably as good a trip as you mm -hmm. could ask for in this race. And so I don't think I want any of the horses coming out of this race uh, for the Kentucky Derby. I, I'll, I'll wait. You know, I, I think um, the Louisiana Derby probably uh, is going to turn out to be um, a good prep with Epicenter winning that. And then we'll see about the wood and uh, the bluegrass. And uh, I mean, the um, yeah, the Keeneland Stakes. And uh, what, what's the name of that stake? It's slipping my mind right now. The bluegrass? The, um, the bluegrass stakes? Uh, yeah, yeah, the bluegrass, yeah. yeah. And then um, the Santa Anita Derby. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think we'll still see a couple couple key contenders emerge from those races this weekend. But uh, nobody, no thanks. Nobody in here for me. I think the last horse I want to talk about real quick is just Papa Cap. This is a horse that, you know, won the best pal last year, ran second to Cornish in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Came out with a solid third against Call Me Midnight and Epicenter, who we all know how good that one is. Absolutely shit the bed in the Risen Star. And now didn't run well here. Maybe this is a horse that maybe just, you know, w was a good two-year-old and maybe just won't be as good of a three-year-old. Uh, yeah. I I, uh, I I wagered on him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and that was a little bit of a heartbreak. He just hasn't gotten any better, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a three-year-old. And uh, I think he needs lesser. I want to thank my friend Justin Christensen for coming on the show tonight. Justin, where can people find you with Trip Down Pros, just overall on Twitter? And uh, what are you looking forward to playing uh, this upcoming weekend? 
Uh, so tripnopepros.com. Again, um, Santa Anita slash tripnopepros and go to the Keelan website, opt in there. And on TVG, uh, on their uh, on their homepage, the quick link to the race of the day, tripnopepros. You can find me and follow me on Twitter at TeacherJJC. And uh, I'm looking forward to Zandon running this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a future on him. And uh, I think Chad Brown is a master at pointing to a race, especially um, a dirt race where he gives a horse. It seems like with his turf, turf horses, he can, he can get them ready uh, off a long layoff. But with his dirt horses, he likes to take his time and, and give them a prep or two. You know, we saw it with, with good magic with two preps and, and he ran an awesome race in the Kentucky Derby. Um, you, you know, he just couldn't get by the beast. Um, and, and I think he's, he's handling Zandon the same way. He ran a huge race off, uh, um, off of that maiden win going from six furlongs to a mile and an eighth. Um, it came, came back with, um, he's going to come back in the bluegrass and, and, you know, he doesn't have to win for me to still be thrilled about his chances in the Kentucky Derby. So I'm looking forward to watching him run this weekend. Looking forward to seeing if Xander can get it done for Chad Brown. Thanks so much again, my man, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you, Spencer. Thank you. All the wonderful listeners for listening to this podcast and the rest of the podcast on the In The Money Media Network. I just want to thank my special guest, Justin, for coming on, spending some time with me talking all about the Gulfstream Park Saturday races. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's president is Pierre Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In The Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time.